inspiration, success stories, expert advice, strategies, new ideas, and amazing conversations. Everything you need to become a great speaker. This is Oscar Santolaya, and welcome to Time to Shine. Hello, and thank you for joining. Data is a hot topic nowadays, but presenting data is nothing very new, actually. Who hasn't ever presented a report? So today we are going to talk about how to present data effectively. For that, we have a really expert in this topic. Dr. Stephanie Evergreen is an internationally recognized speaker, designer, and researcher. She is best known for bringing a research-based approach to helping researchers better to communicate their work through more effective graphs, slides, and reports. She holds a PhD from Western Michigan University in Interdisciplinary Evaluation. Dr. Evergreen has trained researchers worldwide through keynote presentations and workshops for clients including Time, Verizon, Head Start, American Institutes for Research, the Rockefeller Foundation, Brookings Institute, and the United Nations. She writes a popular blog on data presentation, and she has written two books. The first, Presenting Data Effectively, Communicating Your Finding for Maximum Impact, and the second, Effective Data Visualization. Hello, Stephanie. Hi, Oscar. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure having you. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Uh, so please, to get started, tell us a bit about yourself, what was your, your story, how you, how you ended uh, being a, an expert in data visualization. Tell us a bit, please. Sure, yeah. Uh, well, I was just doing research, like many of us, um, just mm -hmm. in my day-to-day -day job. Um, and I was just getting very frustrated with the way that we were presenting it, you know, you'd uh, you'd go to a to a client meeting and you'd be up there with your slides, and you can kind of tell that people have stopped paying attention to you because we were explaining it in a way that was so complicated. Our, our slides were boring, um, and I was in a PhD program at the time, and I needed a dissertation topic, so I decided that this is what I would study. I had just gone to one too many conference sessions where I couldn't even force myself to pay attention, so I thought I would just study how we go about presenting our our data. And um, it was a very easy dissertation because the answer was poorly. <laughs> and so um, I was able to just start um, talking about um, better ways of presenting. And um, as you can imagine, that that's a topic that people are very hungry to know more about. So um, I was I just started talking about it a little bit and then that grew um, quickly. And now it's pretty much what I do all the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, fantastic. And uh, tell me something, uh, what is interdisciplinary evaluation? Sure, yeah, good question. So sim very similar to basic research, but evaluators are usually brought in as independent third parties to do uh, research on an organization. Um, so if you get in the United States, for example, if you get money from the federal government mm -hmm. um, to do some work, you have to have an independent third party come in and mm -hmm. say whether you did a good job with that money or not. Um, and that's the kind of thing we would do. Interdisciplinary just means that I didn't focus just in one area, but I worked 
in every industry. And um, that helps me so much now because I can look at anybody's data set and pretty much figure out what's going on. And I can quickly relate to their topic area and dive into their lingo and all those things that make it easier for me to digest that information for other people. Mm -hmm. So part of the job of this evaluation is to present uh, yeah, your report, no? Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. All right. Very interesting. I know that you, you as you said, uh, you started with research, but now you are helping people in, in a much broader uh, areas of life, much simpler than research. Huh? And uh, tell us a bit, what are the, the, the biggest mistakes, the top mistakes that people make when they are presenting data just for uh, everyday situations? Yeah, I think it's hard to say because there are so many mm -hmm. mistakes that I see people making. Um, but the, I think the biggest one, the one that's most fundamental is that people don't really know the points they're trying to make. And um, it's something that I did a lot when I before I knew what I was talking about. When I was just working with data, I was, uh, you know, just making graphs because we had collected that data and it didn't necessarily have a point. There wasn't even really anything I was trying to say about that data. It was just like, well, we asked that question on the survey, so we might as well graph it. We graph everything. Um, and, and I think that's such a huge mistake because we didn't even really know the best graph types to be using because we weren't even thinking through what our point was. And I think... You know, so much of what we decide to do in a, in a visual to help us tell our story depends on the point. But people don't don't start there. Um, and it, it seems like it should be pretty easy and straightforward, but I think it actually takes a lot of um, it, take, it takes a lot of work. You have to do a lot of thinking and analyzing your data to know what your point is. Mm -hmm. So what's the first and that uh, the first thing that uh, people has to pay, pay attention in order to to, to start making some um some uh, some visualization or presenting some report no, to to have the point that's right have to have the point mm -hmm. um, what else for instance um after that i feel like um you can make better choices about what kind of graph type you're going to use or how you might apply color to make that point clear. Um, so everything else for me always feels like a pretty straightforward process because we already have tools out there in the world like chart choosers and um, the data visualization checklist that guide you through what to do with, with the graph itself once you have your point figured out. But nobody can figure out your point for you. So that's where we yeah. have to start. Yeah, yeah, that, that's correct. Um, yeah, because nobody knows what, what you want to to show. That's right. And uh, you already mentioned some some tools, but before going to that tools, um, uh, what if what would be the most typical um, type of presenting data, like reports? Or if you pick one one specific case, and you can tell us what should be a process, a general process of presenting data from your point of view. Um, well, so I think probably, uh, you know, let's go with a slideshow, the very typical slideshow. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, what I see in many of, many of the organizations I work with, there's a, a slideshow that has to be done, you know, quarterly, and maybe it's the status update on sales mm -hmm. or donations or something like that. And so people just tend to throw the numbers on the slide in a graph. And then the audience has to spend a lot of time trying to figure out what exactly are you trying to say here. And it's a frustrating, annoying experience for everyone involved. 
So if we start by looking at that, throwing those numbers out there to ourselves in our offices, at, at our computers, we can take that moment to look at the data and go, ah, I see what the point is here. It's that our donations are down 25% this quarter. That's a really big problem. That's a really big, um, a really big deal. So if you know that the thing that you have to say is donations are down 25% this quarter, you have all kinds of ways that you can then make that apparent. You can simply put it in a graph that has an awesome title, um, which says we're down 25%. Or you can say, you can just have a giant number on the slide. I mean, if it's really urgent and this is a, a giant problem, you can just put a big number up there and then and then show the other details after that. But you've got to figure out, you've got to take that moment first to sit down and figure out what it is that you have to say. Uh, so that, that was the process or? Um, generally, I mean, I know it's not a very clear process, but I think, um, like I said, once you figure out what it is that you mm -hmm. need to say back in yes. your office, then you're going to be completely fine figuring out the right chart choice depending on um what kind of story you want to tell with that and then and then how you're going to use things like your title to make that clear mm -hmm. and in terms of um, the tools what are for, because many people there, there are advanced tools sophisticated tools and but mo most of them are not so easy accessible unless you're working for a company who can uh, acquire these tools or uh, just might be a bit more difficult to to find but let if we focus on on simple tools that are accessible to almost anybody uh, what would you recommend yeah well i i almost exclusively work inside microsoft excel mm -hmm. um because because of that very reason because every almost everybody mm -hmm. has yeah. it and um and so while it isn't free it's it's so ubiquitous that mm -hmm. um, it's almost free and people kind of know it already you know the learning curve isn't so steep as it is for some of these other programs that are out there um, I think it's just a, mass, a matter of knowing how to master the tool knowing what all the buttons do knowing how to manipulate the defaults so that you're really making the best graph type and you're really help making sure that it's helping to tell your story. Um, so in terms of software, I stick to things like Excel. Um, I have a couple of tools out there that I also distribute to people in my workshops. One is the data visualization checklist. It is on my blog, so it's free. Um, and that talks people through um, how to handle the color in your graph, how to deal with the lines that are that are there as part of the default, um, what to do with the text. And, and, it walks, and it walks you through um, how to handle all those little parts so that you take out anything that's unnecessary and you make sure that what's left is really working for you. Mm -hmm. So that's the data visualization checklist. That's right. Mm -hmm. And you say you have another or... Um, I do have a chart chooser too. It's in my second book, the effective data visualization that you mentioned at the top of mm -hmm. the show. Um, and in the inside cover of that has um, a, basically a, a menu of options of chart choices that are going to help you tell your story. So if you can identify the story you're working in, it'll give you um, graph types that are going to help you tell that story the best. So those are two tools that I use um, quite a bit. And that's what I train people on in my workshops. Mm -hmm. So using yeah using the the, the basic tools like uh, the office and plus mm -hmm. these two tools that you have, and that that's enough. Um, let's say enough enough knowledge and tools if you learn them well, of course, to to make uh, effective uh, uh, data presentations. 
Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, it's not uh, it's not a process that's that people can exactly just pick up and go and run with, or else we wouldn't be in this situation in the first place. You know, I mean, it does take some some learning and mm-hmm. some thinking, and um, you know, attending one of my workshops is great, or checking out my blog is great because that's where you start to that's where you start to hear what the um, what the design thinking looks mm-hmm. like that's involved here. And that's, that's what um, I think that's, I think the missing piece that people still need to figure out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Because, uh, well, many people use the basic tools such as uh, Excel, uh, PowerPoint, uh, but tend to use the, um, like the default uh, templates, no, that uh, mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. usually they are not the best uh, solution, right? Right. Yeah, exactly. And so the tools that I, that I distribute to people Mm -hmm. are guiding them how to, um, how to deal with those defaults so that we Mm. can have the thing that's going to be the best. Um, I think that one of the biggest mistakes people make is thinking that the software is going to solve our problem for Mm. us as if there's a button we can push that's going to automatically generate our graph, (laughs) but the software can't do the thinking for us. You know, it'll never know what our story is. So we're always going to have to do some of that design thinking. And that can be really hard for people because, you know, most of us don't have backgrounds in design. We're in our day-to-day jobs in whatever industry that may be around the world, but it's not, usually our academic upbringing never involved a class on communication around design. So there is a little bit of that that we're going to have to learn. Yeah, exactly. Some of this, um, a bit of design and some principle of of, of data visualization that, uh, yeah, we all mm-hmm. must know in order to to use the basic tools properly and effectively. Right. Mm-hmm. But tell me, for instance, how to give uh, some personal touch to presenting data, no? because data is usually numbers, graphs, and mm-hmm. what would you say how to give some personal touch? Well, I think one way is the title of the graph. I think that's a really good opportunity to kind of frame up what it is that you're trying to say to the audience. Um, And I think we tend to use these very like clinical or academic terms and words Mm -hmm. that are very long sentences that are convoluted and we can just be clear and to the point. And I think that people get scared of that. but that's exactly what people have come for. You know, they want to know what our bottom line is. Um, when we and when we know it, I think we all know it because when we see graphs that aren't well titled, you know, it doesn't reach out and touch us. <laughs> mm-hmm. And but but it can. It totally can. I mean, if you think about, I think people are scared to do it because they feel like it's putting too much of themselves in there actually, mm-hmm. or that it's um, it's not being objective enough. But I don't think that that's the case. And I think we have wonderful examples of that. Like if you look out in the world at somebody like, say, like Neil deGrasse Tyson, you know, mm-hmm. uh, astrophysicist, incredibly serious about his subject matter, highly credible. No one discounts this man's credibility, but he brings himself mm-hmm. to his subject matter. You know, he uses his own real words that are very relatable. He uses very accessible sentences um, so that you can get drawn right into something that's actually quite complicated. And I think that's a strong tool we have at our disposal. You know, a data visualization isn't going to have a lot of um, narrative in it, but that title space or little, you know, text boxes or annotations mm-hmm. we might add, that's our chance to bring ourselves in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, correct. Even the, well, especially the title, right? Because it's the, yeah. usually it's the biggest text that you see often, the biggest right. text that you're going to see in a, 
in a presentation, one slide or a report. And yeah, so that's your opportunity to uh, put your own style there. Um, some example that uh, from your own experience. Um, sorry, we're asking for me to talk about my own experience. Yeah, uh, some uh, of this example like that, given personal touch, either either by title or from uh, these uh, text boxes, from your experience or some of your um, customers. Oh, I mean, it's yeah, it's 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 so regular. It's, it happens a hundred times a day while I'm doing <laughs> my work. <laughs> I mean, it's just that's the way that it's got to be. And I and I see um, pushback on it from some of my clients who are very academic or who work in fields that are very highly regulated where they feel like they're not allowed to say a point mm -hmm. but um but there's really no other way to go about it it's just we're gonna have to do <laughs> so they learn at the end they, they get they the, do. yeah they get relaxed and uh, give their own um, their own style no it's that's pretty important good the personal touch. So you mentioned um, uh, this very famous scientist as an example of a person who uh, present uh, data in a in a really effective and personal way. Do you have some other uh, other person or maybe some publications that uh, can be as inspiration for us? Because sometimes we can learn the learn the tools, learn the the best practices, but we always need some inspiration. Sure. Yeah, of course we do. Um, you know, I think that there are so there there are so many out there. There are so many groups that are doing it well. Any of the major newspapers that you follow are going to be doing it well these days. Um, and I do see inspiration there. But I think um, I think the real people who inspire me, like the people I'm proudest of, are my clients because <laughs> they're the ones who go through this whole process of you know designing research questions, collecting the data, analyzing it, telling the story, and they're not graphic designers. They had mm -hmm. to learn this stuff the hard way, um, and, and they're doing um, amazing jobs. Two of my clients recently won awards for the quality of their reporting. Um, And it, and it has a lot to do with the way that we made it look together. So I'll send a couple of, um, a couple of links that maybe we can pass on to your podcast listeners. Hey, absolutely. Yes. Thanks. Sure. And, um, because I've been able to feature their work, work from both of them on my blog. So we can completely get inspiration from their mm -hmm. awesome award winning, um, ideas. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. That's, that's great. So I'm going to share on the show notes of these episodes. Yes, as you said, most of the main uh, newspapers do a, a great job for uh, mm -hmm. for doing these simple uh, visualizations about trends in uh, economics in some country or something like that. And mm -hmm. Most of them are doing a, a very good job. W one thing I, I notice, uh, for instance, the economies is a is a good example. They they do these simple visualizations, um, and always the the title is very relevant. They put this insight in the title. No, it's not just, mm -hmm. I'm showing this. No, it's, they are giving, okay, this is my, this is what we believe huh? the, this data says. So, so those are really great examples. Yeah. Yeah. I think they are. And I, I mean, that's, um, we should certainly look at the model that they set for us. But I think for some folks who are, you know, working day to day je desk jobs, that that can seem a little bit out of reach because, mm -hmm. you know, a place like the New York Times has an entire data visualization department. Mm -hmm. And I don't know any actual 
human on the ground outside of newspapers like that, where they have an entire department just dedicated to making great data visualizations. So I think we need to have, while they're definitely a model for us, I think we need to have a wider uh, span of role models that we can look mm -hmm. to. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, that, that's absolutely correct. So they are they have a special department for doing this visualization. Of course, it's not something that they do it in in, in one hour. It's, it's ready to to print. <laughs> so, right. Yeah, that's, exactly. That's not the case. So that's great. I, I, that's why I understand. Yes, you're talking so proud about your own clients because they're uh, like regular people that are in different types of job and they have um, achieved this uh, this good level of visualization. Yes, that's right. Um, Stephanie, could you now share with us what is your favorite quotation? My favorite quotation? Um, hmm. You know, <laughs> well, there's one that my mentor told me um, when I was starting my freelancing business. And um, she did not she did not create this. I know that she got it from somewhere else, but mm -hmm. I don't remember her original source. Um, but she was giving me advice on how to choose the projects that I wanted to take on, the kind of clients that I wanted to work with. Um, because early on when I was starting to do data visualization and report design for people, I had a bad experience. Um, and so she was giving me the guidance and she said, these are the three rules that you should have um, that she, you know, that she's adapted from this other person that help you decide whether to take on a client or not. And I've kind of broadened this up to speak for anything you might need to say yes or no to in your life. But she said the three criteria are, it has to be fun, lucrative, and no assholes. And I, I love that quote. And it's been like, it's so easy to remember. And it's been kind of my guiding star throughout a lot of my life, those are the three things I have to check it against to make sure that I can say yes to this. Mm -hmm. So these three um, criteria are for, again, to, to well, for what? For me, they were, um, they were originally given to me to help me decide which clients uh -huh. to take on, which oh, clients yes. to work with, but now I kind of apply it to a lot of things in my life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, choose where I work with or, or not, or I commit to this or not, yes. Okay. That's right, that's oh. right. Mm -hmm. Excellent. <laughs> Could you recommend us one book that has been particularly inspiring influential for you? Um, you know, rather than a book, I'm going to give you an article because this mm -hmm. article changed my life and it's oh. freely available. So I'll send the link to you. Um, but just when I was starting to think about how we can rethink the way that we report, because um, I, I, I think my general philosophy is that we can't just focus on the data visualization because I've seen reports that have great graphs, but they're all in the appendix of the report and that's useless. Mm -hmm. So we have to be thinking about our whole slideshow or our whole website or our whole report. You know, the entire reporting mechanism has to come into our, into our thinking here. Um, and so there was a, a person um, who wrote an editorial article. Her name's Jane Davidson, and she's another person like me, a PhD researcher. And um, she wrote this article maybe a decade ago now, and it said it's called um, Unlearning Some of Our Social Scientist Habits. And she basically outlines how we're brought up in academia to report in a certain way where we, you know, we have our introduction and then we have our methods and then we have our literature review. I mean, and then it's like 
50 pages before we get to the findings, which is the thing that people actually came there to get in the first place. And, and, and why on earth do we torture people that way? Um, when if we really want to be useful and if we really want to teach people, we need to give out our information in the order that's going to be the most appealing to them. That's like the order that they want to know it. So she argues that we should basically flip that whole thing around and um, report our findings first, since that's what they came to hear. And, and that we shouldn't torture people through 45 minutes of a terrible slideshow before we get to the findings. So um, she started rethinking, she started to get me rethinking everything I ever thought about how we put our data out there in the world. And I think she's probably going to be inspirational to other people too, so I'll pass it on. Mm -hmm. Perfect, yes, I will include it also. Um, could you repeat the title? Sure, it's called Unlearning Some of Our Social Scientist Habits. Oh. <laughs> mm -hmm. Okay, I will definitely check it out. Yes, could you now leave us with a last piece of advice? Share it some exercise, something practical that you recommend doing it daily or weekly, a routine to shine. You know, it's kind of odd, but I think that what helps me do my best work is to get away from my computer and to go exercise. Mm-hmm. And it's the, it seems like every time I used to think people would say this advice to me and I'm like, God, that's so stupid. Don't they, don't they know how busy I am? Mm -hmm. Like if you were really busy, you wouldn't have time to do that. Um, but once I started creating that time for myself and my schedule, I realized that I'm doing my, I, I come back and do my best work. My best ideas come when I get away from my computer, even if it's for like a five minute walk around the block. Um, so, and, and especially as a speaker, Um, one of the best things you can do is exercise the morning before your talk because it helps you get rid of some of the excess adrenaline that you have in your body so that you can chill a little bit um, mm -hmm. before you get up there. It distracts your mind and it calms some of the nerves. So many reasons why I think it's such a great idea. And in fact, it's what I'm going to go do as soon as we are done recording. Okay, now it's your time. It's already scheduled your time for exercising. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so you do it, uh, one important thing is to do it, um, you schedule, you do it a few times per week, let's say, and yeah, we yeah. You stick to that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you mm -hmm. also use it for um, processing your, your ideas, right? You, at the same time. Yeah, I think so. I mean, that happens to a lot of us, right? I mean, mm -hmm. like people say that they get their best ideas when they're in sure. the shower or <laughs> when they're walking their dog or something. And it, ha it happens because that's when our, our brain is, is mulling over ideas that are kind of in the back on the back burner. Um, and that's when we sort them out. It doesn't happen when we're standing at, when we're staring at our, our computer screen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a great reminder, it's the importance of exercises for um, being in good shape and also for uh, letting the ideas flow and come. That's right. Well, thank you very much, uh, Stephanie, for this very interesting conversation. You, ha you have given us a lot of very interesting things, and I think um, and, and overall is that you need... You just need basic tools and some best practices no, that are in what you mentioned in some of this um, material that is on your blog and this, um, this article. So could you finally tell us how we can get uh, all this, the, the, best, uh, the best content material you have? Well, my blog is going to be one of the best places to go at stephanieevergreen.com. And um, every two weeks or so, I put out something brand new there um, mm -hmm. that will 
feed everyone's need in this direction. And otherwise, I'm going to send you links so that mm-hmm. you can put them in the show notes. True, true. And in social media, how can we find you? What's the best way? Good question. I'm on Twitter at Evergreen Data, and that mm-hmm. is such a great place to go to get tapped into the DataViz community. If you just, um, if you go into Twitter and you look, if you, and you search on hashtag DataViz, D-A-T-A-V-I-Z, mm-hmm. you're going to find a ton of people who are putting oh, yeah. stuff out there. Um, that's where I find a lot of the research that I cite these days. So that's really where the DataViz community is hanging out. Perfect. Thank you again. It was a pleasure talking with you, Stephanie, and all the best. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Did you like it? Please subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, Stitcher, or visit us at timetoshinepodcast.com. Until next time, 